Welcome to a new episode of Product Directions Podcast, 100 Product Strategies. We are your insider access to top product leaders shaping the strategy of the most diverse industries today. I'm your host, Nacho Vassino, and I'll be digging into the real-life situations, problems, and frameworks used for a strategy with product people all around the world in all kinds of products and markets. While there is no recipe for success, listening to others' experiences may give you the edge you need to solve your next strategic challenge. Hello and welcome to a new episode. I'm really glad to be today with Said Khan, who is the founder of Transformation Labs and has been helping startups for a long time uh, with product strategy, among other topics. Said, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks. Glad to be here, Nacho. And maybe to give a few more words of introduction about yourself to let the audience know who you are. Can you can you tell us a bit more of what you have been doing lately? Sure. Uh, so, I, I, I as as you said, I, I work with companies to help them with uh, product in many ways. So I, the way I phrase it is, I help them build better product and better product organizations. So I usually work with both leadership and product teams to implement good practices in product management to help them connect both product and business because ultimately their goal is business success, but business success comes from product success. And and that requires skills and process and understanding um, across the org. So that's that's what I, I generally do. I, I use consulting and workshops and other things to implement that. Um, I've been in product management for 25 years. Uh, I started back in actually 26 now. <laughs> I started in 1997 uh, as a product manager uh, in a software company here in Toronto. And, uh, you know, uh, someone said, how did you get your first product manager job? And I said, um, I saw an ad in the newspaper and applied for it. So that's how long ago it was. Um, and uh, I've worked in Canada and the United States. I spent a few years in the U.S., during the dot-com boom and bust. Uh, and that was really interesting. And I learned a lot, absolutely. And then I've been back in Canada for about 15 years uh, working in software product management. And then for the last five years as a consultant. That's super interesting. And uh, probably we can touch at some point how you saw the evolution of product strategy on those many years. Um, but maybe we can start with a higher level topic because uh, actually we connected because I saw that you are very active on writing about strategy. So I want to maybe start by getting your, your take on what strategy is, how you define it when working with your clients. Sure. And I think it's a great question because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding or misconceptions about strategy. You know, people talk about strategy and being strategic and things like that, but um, I think sometimes people make strategy into something it isn't. And, and to me, strategy, at least the definition is very simple, right? It's we have some kind of objective, right? Some non-trivial objective. Uh, and we have to figure out how we can achieve that objective. And there may be many ways to do it. And strategy or strategies are hypotheses we have on how we can achieve that objective, right? There are a bet we make or a choice we make, right? There's different words people use. But I like the word hypothesis because it it implies clearly that this is a belief we have, right? There's no guarantee that a given strategy will be successful. But we 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 make this bet that if we approach the problem this way or the objective this way, it will help us achieve 
what we're trying to do. So to me, that's the way I think about strategy because otherwise you, you lose track. Like people say, oh, here's the strategy. We'll do three things and we'll achieve the goal. It's like, well, no, you might, but you really want to understand, you know, that you're making choices and you're, you're making decisions based on those choices. And the intention is to achieve the goal. Um, I like I like the the way Roger Martin frames it. He, he uses the phrase, you know, where to play, how to win, right? So you have an mm-hmm. objective. He calls it a winning aspiration, but where to play, how to win, right? You're going to focus on some market, some segment, some geography, and then how you will achieve that objective in that. So that, that's that's yeah. sort of the way I think about it. That's super cool. And uh, I would like to jump now to an example because my next question is, at what level do you define that choice and that bet or hypothesis? Because if I were to kind of put a contrarian hat on, I would say, okay, maybe what, what we are doing when tackling opportunities and when going more to more tactical work, you're also having a hypothesis and implementing something to, to build yes. a solution that impacts a desired objective. So um, maybe can, can can we explore maybe some of your, your past um, stories about product management and pick one example that can clarify how you define strategy? Sure. So let me just say this. So I think sometimes people think strategy is some big thing that only happens in the boardroom or something like that. And, you know, strategy exists everywhere, right? Anywhere you have a non-trivial objective, right? It's something that you haven't done before, let's say, or something with a lot of uncertainty, you will have strategy, right? So that could be at the corporate level. It could be at the product level. It could be at a lower level, right? Uh, I had a discussion about strategy with someone and he said, oh yeah, like you could have a Sudoku strategy if you're playing Sudoku, right? And it's true. Like, you know, like you you might start in the center, you might start in a certain place all the time. So, you know, I'm sure all of us who played Wordle have a Wordle strategy, right? We, we have certain starting words and we think about things a certain way. So again, it's anywhere there's an objective and, and uncertainty, you will likely have strategy, right? That could be sports, could be business, whatever. Um, so I just want to say that because I think strategy exists in lots of places. And we, we even if we don't think explicitly about strategy, what we do will define that strategy, right? So like a company might not have a, a, a specific go-to-market or sales strategy, so to speak, but if they're competing on price, that's their strategy, right? Whether they say it you know, explicitly or not. Um, so in terms of an example, like I try to think back. So I used to be a product manager at a company called Informatica, which some of you might have heard of. Um, it's a large data management software company. And um, I, I, I had the pleasure of working on the company's biggest product and then also working on a very small brand new product. Um, and you know those are two very different worlds, right? In one, in one case, everyone cares about your product, and in the other case, nobody cares about your product. And and so the, in in the first case, it was a lot easier <laughs> to, to to do certain things. But when we had the small product, it was a product that was basically grown from scratch. We we, we had acquired it from a very tiny company. Um, and so one of the goals I had, though, I saw the product as being a very broadly applicable product. But it wasn't a product that sales reps would sell upfront. Like they're not going to lead a deal with this product. It was more of an add-on, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and so 
we had a bunch of different approaches to how we tried to make it successful. And just to, for the record, the, the, the product grew from about almost zero customers. I think when we acquired it, we had about 20 customers to about 400 after several years. And so it was quite a good growth. And we had to change things along the way. Um, but one of the things we did was we we were honest, I guess is the right word, about the fact that our product was not going to lead a lot of deals. We had a couple of sales reps who loved it and would sell it you know, directly, but most sales reps wouldn't. And so we, we had what I called an attached strategy. And I, I, I'd worked with a really great product marketing manager. Um, and, and we, we collaborated well and we, we, we really understood that the more deals we can become a participant in, the more likely it is we'll, we'll sell and grow. And once, you know, it's sort of this land and expand, you got to get into an account somehow, but once you're in the account, you can expand, but we had to attach ourselves to other deals. So we, we essentially built internal partnerships with some of the other product groups to show how our product could support their product. And, and, and then we, there was a point where the company created some bundles uh, of products to sell. And we were very diligent about being part of a certain bundle. It was, uh, it was the premium bundle. Mm -hmm. I forget the name of it, but we wanted to keep the, keep the kind of, value of it in a certain way. So that's an example of a strategy, right? Like, you know, if I use my own language, we believed that by attaching to other products, we could expand our reach into customers. And then once we were in the customers, we can then get them to expand usage. And, and I mean, I can say it worked. I don't know if it worked as well as we would have liked, but there were other challenges as well. So that's an example of a strategy I can talk about. Got it, got it. And it's an interesting, interesting point of view because maybe going back to what I was saying before is this strategy is set at a, I would call it high level. So, hey, this is kind of the, the, the things that the, the, the umbrella of things we can potentially tackle. Um, how would you say that helps you in the, say, the, the decision making or in the prioritization uh, of the things that you can act on? Um, okay, so let, let's let's use that as an example. So there was one particular group that actually we had a good relationship with internally. They were, um, I forgot they were called, but they, they basically sold uh, data, um, what was it? Data retirement, no, it's not data, data archiving products. So if you wanted to take old backups and archive them in something, and they had, they had certain connectivity requirements. And, and we, we actually sold a lot of deals with them. Um, we actually created a special uh, package, packaging of our product that worked well with their product. And then we worked with them to address connectivity issues because, you know, the data that was getting archived might be from older systems or certain kinds of systems that, you know, other people might not be interested in. And so we were, we were kind of in sync with them, hopefully, Hopefully, you know, in a satisfactory way, but we felt we were in sync with them on the kinds of connectivity our product need to have to support their product. So that's an example of like how that flowed down. And then we had requirements for connectivity to other tools, uh, other systems as well, right? Enterprise customers, et cetera. And so we had to balance that out. But, but again, you know, the hypothesis is that connectivity is important. Absolutely. And we can if we address their connectivity needs, then that removes a barrier from them from selling the product and by partnering, we'll sell more. So, uh, 
you know, it sort of flows in that way. Yeah. Maybe to make it more concrete, this sounds like a, I would call it long-term strategy or not, maybe not very long-term because you kind of, I imagine you can start seeing results early on, but it's a long-lived strategy. So you start today, but you can keep doing it for, for many years. So yeah. what was the, the time span of this strategy? Um, it, it, so it was from early on with the product. I mean, they were actually the first group that, that we, we worked with because they didn't originally have a solution. So one of their requirements was when they archive the data, the customer wants to know that the archive archived correctly. And they were archiving terabytes of data at a time, um, you know, sometimes thousands of database tables or whatever. And they didn't have a solution. And our product was a data verification product. And so mm -hmm. it actually addressed that use case. And, and so they, you know, they had a need. We didn't have to go to them. In fact, they came to us, but um, that was for several years. I mean, I, I don't yeah. remember the exact time frame. Yeah. Eventually so, but, but, they built their own. They eventually they built their own kind of solution, but probably five, six years. Yeah. But maybe making the question more more kind of higher level, the strategy of partnering and bundling inside the company to penetrate to customers, is it something that I assume kind of lasted many years in, in yes. uh, for your team? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And did you have any sort of um, or, or maybe said in a way, how are you measuring success in the shorter term? So how are your your checkpoints or strategy reviews or how are you? What do you use for that? Uh, so I used to do a lot of analysis of sales in the sales funnel. Uh, so that was obviously, you know, like how many deals are they closing? Um, I think I think they were about 10% of our revenue, roughly speaking. Um, so, you know, we obviously had direct revenue from our sales reps and then we had internal partners. Um, no. So I think it, it was around 10%. And then, and, and that was, you know, like... I don't. I didn't track how many deals they sold or what percentage of our deals they they sold, etc. But I was just looking at it from the, my my product, and then I would talk to them. Right, I knew the product managers well, obviously, uh, on in that group, and and we would just sort of work together to try and address needs. I mean, their their use cases were were fairly straightforward, um, and we just had to try and optimize for certain things. So, like it, it was it was not super sophisticated. I think I think the, the idea of measurement on a strategy is really important, right? I think that, you know, a strategy takes a long time, right? And some strategies like that strategy wasn't like to reach an official objective. It was we had an objective to grow our product. So mm -hmm. we, we kind of continued with that approach for quite a while. But I think if you have an objective, right, let's say your objective is actually time bound, like we want to achieve something in the next year. Well, you have to track some metrics along the way because you need to know that you're on track to that achievement or you're not on, on track. Um, so like we can talk about other examples if you want, but I think raising the point of, of measurement along the way is critical. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe in that same direction, um, if you think about the potential opportunities you were identifying to kind of grow in this direction and grow with, through partnerships in the company. It's interesting because I assume that at some point you need to research the needs of the customers of those products. So my underlying question is how, how are you coming up with the insights to, to define what actions will support your strategy? Yeah, no, I think, 
I think that that's a good question. I mean, I can I can give an example from that product. Um, so one of the products that our company sold was a, a master data management product. It basically was a, a data hub that pulled data in from different sources and you could reconcile data across different systems and give you sort of, you know, quote, single source of truth about something. So we had, we sold that product, but we also used it internally. And uh, my view, so my, the product was a data verification product. It could look at data and reconcile new and old and see if there were changes or there were errors and things like that. That was a fundamental use case it it supported. And my own view as the product manager was that it had complete horizontal uh, applicability because any time data was moved or changed across systems, there was the potential for error and thus the need to to check. And there's lots of ways to check, but you know, if they used my product, I was I was happier. Um, but uh, so the other groups, there was this master data management group and that's all they did. I mean, they connected the systems everywhere and brought data in and then updated data out. So everything they did was literally uh, uh, an opportunity for error. <laughs> they, they, did, they didn't like me framing it that way, but that's the way I, I would see it, right? And, and so our internal IT group used that master data management product for the work they did, which is absolutely, you know, like no different than a customer. And they also used my product to check if the data was correct. And, and I, I used them as a, a learning point uh, to try and sort of understand the issues. And then we tried to you know, expand that out to customers. And some customers were into it, some customers weren't. But like, essentially, to answer your question, that's an example, but I was always talking to people when I could because like, it was a great entry point. Like, oh, how are you checking that? You're, you have the system that does X, Y, and Z. How are you checking that, right? Very kind of innocuous question. Yeah. And and then, oh, you know, it's really a problem, you know, like like people were uploading data to Salesforce, for example, right? So they have some on-premise application and they've got a database and they're uploading to Salesforce. Oh, how are you checking that? Oh, my goodness, you know, it's so hard because we can't connect to both at the same time. And so we have to do this or, you know, we, we wait for people to complain or whatever. There were lots of various reasons. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, I'd say, oh, you know, we have a product that can probably help you there. And, and, and I wouldn't always, I'm not there selling, obviously I'm not a sales rep, but it gave me an opportunity to have that discussion and understand what they're trying to do and how they're trying to do it. And, 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 you know, just ideas, right. You're getting ideas like, and then you're getting data points to support something. And then, um, and then we're finding new use cases as well. Like there were always these really complex use cases that people had like someone was consolidating three data warehouses into one ma master data warehouse and they had 20,000 tables and i don't know how many you know terabytes of data and they had to do it in 6 months and they they had no way to check everything like okay hey let's talk so it's like i i i i'm a big advocate of discovery research curiosity you know really getting into those details. And that's how I used to kind of try and try and act as a product manager. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
But maybe switching gears a bit, and, and by the way, feel free to use another example if it's more more suitable to the question. One of the things I I, I like on on how you frame strategy, but also the problems that that framing has, is that you start with objectives, and and this is also a bit different maybe on, on what I have seen before. But one of the things you said is um, that one of the mistakes companies do is kind of set unattainable goals. So I can. I cannot create strategy if my you know, we have a, an unreasonable growth target, something like that. Um, so in that front, my, my question going back to objectives and measurement is, how do you make sure that your objective, if you still don't know the strategy, how can you make sure that your objective is attainable or not? Uh, so I don't think you can make sure, right? So, I mean, everything we do in business fundamentally is is a hypothesis, right? There's uncertainty in it. Um, if you're sure about something, then you probably know how to do it. You've probably done it before. You 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 don't have to try anything new, right? So, you know, if you're if you're a company and you're saying, look, we've been growing. Let's just say for the sake of discussion, you've been growing 20% a year pretty steadily, and then your 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 goal next year is to grow 20%. Well, you're probably not going to have to do a lot of deep thinking about how to grow 20%, right? You know, there might be some areas of uncertainty, but it's not out of the ballpark. Now, if you, if if let's say you get a new CEO comes in and said, "Oh, this company hasn't been growing enough. I think we can grow a hundred percent." Well, okay, you probably need to think different, and at that point, you probably need to come up with some clear hypotheses on how you're going to grow twenty percent, and that, oh, sorry, how you're going to grow a hundred percent, and that might be completely unreasonable, but. You have to have that discussion. People have to be specific, right? It can't be hand-waving. Um, but I think it goes back to your point about measurement. Like, let's just say, for the sake of discussion, people buy in. We're going to do this and we're going to do that. We're going to expand into Latin America and into the Africa and, the, uh, you know, whatever. Like, this is how we grow 100%. Uh, you want to measure along the way. You want to measure along the way and say, are we even close, right? And if you are, okay, great. And just because you said you're going to grow 100%, if you only grew 75%, hey, great. Like, you know, like way better than 20%. Um, so you don't have to necessarily, if you have this audacious goal, you don't always have to complete it. But you do want to know that you're on your way to 75% or you're on your way to 25%. And, and those are two huge differences. I may framing it as a, as a product leader, and again, if you have an, an example in which you need to, you you, you had the discussion in the past, would be great. Um, how do you, or, or maybe say in a way, what do you expect from from CEO or, or kind of board or whoever high level stakeholder versus what you need to bring to the table to make clever objectives? So hey, saying hey, we should I bring to the table? We have an opportunity for growing in Africa, or should be this more driven by the by the goal and then we should expect what the company is expecting to do. Okay, so strategy, to me, I'll just say, and I'll paraphrase that because, you know, there's smarter people than me on strategy. But to me, strategy is a hypothesis towards an objective that you have, right? You Strategy doesn't exist on its own. Like if someone says, oh, I have a strategy, it looks like this. My first question is, okay, to what end, right? What, wh wh where is that strategy going to get you and why? Yeah. And so 
even if it's not defined up front, you can you can extract potentially what the objective is, right? Because people may not articulate things. So I think I think from from leadership, what I would love is very clear objectives, right? So here's where we're trying, here's what we're trying to achieve, or here's where we're trying to go, and those objectives are based on an understanding of the real world, right? It's not it's not a fantasy that oh we're going to become the leader in X and we're going to do all that. It's like you know, I, I've seen people talk like that, and it sounds great. It's inspirational. We're good, and it it falls flat because it's not based on reality. Um, and so I think I think goals that are based on some real understanding of the market or understanding of where you're trying to get to, and 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 the capabilities to get to it. You know, Roger Martin in his sort of work goes quite quite detailed about things, and he he does talk about capabilities, right? Like it's yeah. you can't you can't have a strategy towards an objective that you your company or your organization is incapable of completing right like like people are talking about ai let's you know let's do some ai <laughs> so <laughs> you know our our goal is to be the leader in ai in our field well if you've never hired a data scientist before and you don't understand the technology and, and and what it takes, you know, to to get the data. Like a lot of people talk about AI and they don't understand the complexity of the data they need, as an example, right? So those kinds of things, those capabilities, whether you know personal or operational or whatever, have to be part of the equation. And so I think that kind of framing needs to come from executives, right? Like you you don't want executives with huge blind spots because there's no way you'll succeed. Um, and, and then I think once it comes down from, from that level, I think people themselves have to understand how do I connect to that? Okay, what, what part of what I do supports that, right? So let's just say we had a thing, we, we're going to expand by going into Africa. Great. What do we know about Africa? What, do we, what, what does Africa mean? Africa is 54 countries. It's a huge continent, right? Africa is not a singular place. Like, are we talking about South Africa or Nigeria or Tunisia or, you know, what does Africa mean? Let's get specific. So I think, I think those are the kinds of things I look for. And then, and then, yeah, there might be product things we have to do. There might be go to market things. There might be organizational things. Do we have any representation in Africa? Do, you know, or in Libya or in wherever we want to expand to, right? I'm guilty of the same thing, right? Africa. Um, but let's get into real detail about it and then coordinate the work, right? So we know that, yes, there are product changes we have to make. Yes, there are organizational changes we have to make. Yes, there are go-to-market things we have to make. Yes, there are even business changes we have to make. We can't just ignore the reality of the business world that we have to, have to deal with. So I think, I think holistically thinking about it, figuring out the parts, and then aligning the teams and, and working towards that goal. I mean, that's, that's you know, some of us say, oh, that's just execution, but it's execution of what, right? It's execution of the key parts to bring everything together. Yeah, got it, got it. I think what's, what can be an interesting follow-up there is at what level of granularity you do that definition. Because in this case that we are doing kind of, Africa versus one country in Africa is quite 
simple, but when we are talking about maybe customer segments or you know, it's it's part of the the where to play slash how to win yes. definition. At can be very easy to fall into a very high level definition that you don't have the the, the, the not, not even the capabilities, but the, the understanding of how to actually act on it. So when you kind of you, you mentioned many times making the strategy actionable, at what level are you expecting this definition to be, or how are you coaching your client to make it more actionable? Um, so you know, so in your book you talk about OKRs, right, and and sort of using an OKR model to to essentially make things actionable, right? You can break things down, you know. I, I I use a similar model. I'm not I'm not like telling people to implement OKRs in their company, but I like the model of objective, metric, and action. Um, because it, it it conceptually it's easy to understand, even if you don't do OKRs in your company, um, and it's got the key components right, like clear objective, right, clear clear measures of what we believe represents success for that objective. And then what are the contributing actions we need to get into those metrics to support that objective? So I, I look at it from that level. This is high level stuff though, right? It's not all the detailed plans and project planning and things like that. It's it's the macro level activities that you have to go through by team or by you know function in the company. And that that each of those may actually break down into a set of concrete steps that are the plan. Yeah. And so that's the way I, I look at it is that like to me, the strategy are the bets we're making that help us achieve important objectives, right? Non-trivial objectives. And so there's multiple levels of detail you you need to kind of work through. And that first level, that kind of you know objective metric action is the first breakdown of the way you're going to think about things. And then you can rationalize whether that structure, and you might have multiple objectives, right, to support the strategy. Um, but you can rationalize, are these, I, I don't want to say the right things because you don't know if they're the right things, but are these reasonable given what we're trying to achieve? Are there any missing elements? Are there any gaps, et cetera? Um, and then you can break it down even further. I often talk about business objectives and product objectives and, and okay. the two need to align in some way. Like you can't just have the business doing X and product going off and doing Y, right? right? Some product managers. How do you, how do you differentiate? So what is a business objective versus a product objective? Okay. So example. let's, let's go back to, uh, the Africa example. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend Mustafa who's in Senegal, and uh, he um, he's a product manager. He's, he has he has a startup now, and so you know I'll, I'll kind of use him as a proxy for this, right? Uh, so if he listens to his podcast, you know, hi Mustafa. Um, but he he he's he's working on a startup to help you know certain people in Africa in certain African countries with with financial transactions. And, and so there's a business objective he probably has to grow, right? He's, he's got certain milestones on the, on the growth side of his business, right? Like, and he works with partners and so on. But, but on the product side, like he has to support 
financial transactions in these different countries. And each country will have different requirements, right? They'll have limitations, their banking system might be different, et cetera. And so when I say business objectives and product objectives, it's really the business objectives are clear. Let's assume they are that we're going to grow. We're going to focus on these countries or this market segment or whatever, right? The where to play um, kind of phrase from, from Roger Martin. And then how to win, there will be something like that at the business level as well. But the product has to align with that. So if you're looking at Nigeria and South, uh, South, uh, South Africa and Libya as your targets, let's say, then you have to really understand the specifics of each of those domains, who you're going to work with, and then the details of how your products will support that. So the product has objectives that align with the business objectives. They have to support transactions. They have to support currencies. They have to support regulatory you know, issues and reporting issues, privacy issues, all that stuff. And, and, and that's, just, that's just the basics to support your strategy. You'll get into usability and all these other things as well on the product side. And the business will kind of assume you're doing that anyway. But you can't do the usability stuff, ignore the, the currency and the regulation things, because that's yeah. that's the key part to drive that strategy. So that's what I'm saying. Like, those things have to be aligned, right? Like, the, the business can't be thinking about South Africa and Nigeria, and, and the product is thinking about, you know, Rodi, Botswana and you know, Senegal or something. Like, they, they, they're just, it makes yeah. no sense. And I think, unfortunately, in a lot of companies, that connection, that explicit connection doesn't happen that you're doing something as a business we're going to grow revenue we're going to do x and y and the product guys are working on user problems or you know market problems that are absolutely important but aren't aligned with what the business wants to do and so you get you get this disconnect interesting interesting yeah i will I would assume that's that's the product leader to blame there, because if there is a defined, I mean, it's a different game when there is no defined uh, or undefined company strategy or business strategy. But if there is one, I assume that the product leader coming up with the product strategy should be at least considering that. Yeah, well, and I think I think you 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 nailed it that if there is a defined company strategy, right? Like that's there are idea. there are strategies, right? It's what they're doing, but it might not be defined. It might not be explicitly defined. I've heard people talk about, you know, oh, we don't need strategy. All we need is execution. We just need to execute better, right? And like on the surface, sure, like absolutely, you know, execute better. But you're missing a whole, I'll call the whole lever if you say we don't need strategy. Like you you, you do need strategy, <laughs> but maybe you don't understand the strategies that you need. And 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 the thing is that strategy is hard. Like it's it's actually a really hard thing. It's we we have trouble describing it, let alone mm -hmm. defining it and executing it. So I think I think it it's a challenge. It's not something that's taught in school unless you actually go to business school, and even then it may be more theoretical. You know, I I mm -hmm. people talk about Porter's five forces, and I'll be honest, I've read about it and I've watched some videos, and I struggle to take that and apply it i think right. i think it's it's still abstract so uh yeah. yeah like that's why i say it's a bet it's a hypothesis about how we'll achieve a non-trivial yeah. objective right we we yeah. have to do that otherwise we're flailing 
Yeah, uh, I assume that one thing that you, you, you mentioned caught my attention because at the end of the day, having a solid strategy also helps you be better at execution because you're more focused, you're more kind of yes. better targets and so on. Absolutely. I, I think it's a good a good point to go back to, to what you were describing at the very beginning. How have you seen strategy evolve in your 20x years in, in products? I mean, if you, if you have seen it evolve at all. Yeah. Um, let me think. So I, I had the, I'll say the pleasure or the, the, the fortune of working my very first product management job in a very well-run company here in Toronto. And, and the irony is I didn't realize how good I had it until I left. <laughs> and, and so it was a company here, it was a software company called KL Group. And I, I still am in touch with some of the people from that company. And I, 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 you know, as much as I will remember how frustrated I was as a product manager on many occasions, uh, I also remember how good things were. Like it was a well-run, well-organized company. I blogged about it recently um, because there was a clear strategy. There was a clear company strategy, right? Like we were building software development tools. There was, uh, you know, again, back in 1997, uh, for those who remember, it was the very early days of the internet and Java was very new and it was the big hot technology of the internet and we were building tools for Java. There was a legacy product line that was Unix uh, tools. Uh, I was a product manager for that. Uh, and the strategy was very clear. That was a, a well-established profitable business and the funds of the, the profits of the Unix products was funding the Java products. And so as a product manager, my goal, and it was very clear and explicit, was maximize profit. <laughs> that was it. Like that was literally my marching order. Maximize profit. And unfortunately, you know, I think this the CEO was saying maximize profit by cutting cost. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I was a brand new product manager and I was like, uh, that's, I, I can't do that. I can't cut costs. Like there's, there's a minimum, right? And so I, I work to increase revenue because in the end, if I can increase profit by increasing revenue, that works. But, but we were very clearly focused on Java and tools and so on. And, and, and there was no ambiguity about it. There was no like, hey, there's this shiny new technology over there. Let's go do that, you know? It was, it was, there was real discipline and the, and the leadership team was great, like every one of them. So uh, I think, I think that that's an example of a really clear strategy from a company. And that was back then. And I think, I think over the years, I mean, I can't say, right? I don't know everything in, that happens in every company, but when I left that company and many of the companies I worked in after, um, the startups, right? So that was a small company, by the way. It was about 100 to 150 people. Um, weren't clear at all about that. They didn't have mm -hmm. clarity. There was a lot of shiny object syndrome. There's a lot of, you know, strategy of the week or strategy of the month kind of thing, right? Like mm -hmm. this month we're, you know, an internet tools company and the next month we're uh, building portals and the next month we're doing something else, you know, like wherever opportunity came. So uh, it's hard to say. I think, I think that there's a shift. I'll just say this in the last few years, right? There's been a huge focus on build, 
right? You've, you've, you've probably seen as well. And I think now with this economic kind of, you know, shift that we're seeing in the market, there might be a shift also to more business focus and, and clear strategy, right? It's, the money isn't coming in as easily. And so we have to make choices, right? There's that word, choices. And so how can we make choices that help us drive business? And, and in the end, if, if that's a, a return to better strategy, that maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, good point. Good point. That's... Okay, I think that was a very interesting answer. Uh, I would say that uh, between the lines, you say, hey, there was not a big evolution of a strategy, but also get off, uh, more people need to focus on it so that it's uh, yeah. a good sign. It's still it's still a very poorly understood subject. You know, I'm, I'm glad you have this podcast. You're trying to, you know, address that problem, which is great. Um, but I think you know we we have to start exercising the muscle of strategy, and I think mm -hmm. that's the challenge, right? Because we get caught up in strategy. Generally speaking, is longer term. It's not always right. It could be for something short term because it's you know how you want to achieve goals. But generally speaking, it's for the longer term, and we we tend to get sidetracked by short-term fires or short-term emergencies, you know, the tyranny of the urgent, right? And that, yeah. and that distracts us. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, you know, it, I think the curve is heading in the right direction. It's just not moving fast Someday. enough. <laughs> but this is a, a very good uh, starting point for my, my very last question that I usually ask is, what I'm not asking, what's a good learning about the strategy that you have along these many years that uh, we didn't cover? I don't know if this is a good learning, but, you know, I said earlier, strategy is hard, right? It, it's, it's, it's hard to describe and it's, it's hard to define. Um, I, th I think one of the big challenges is that it's something that the organization has to do. Right? It's not something an individual can do. And so educating and advocating for not strategy. Don't say, hey, we need strategy. We need to do more strategy. But educating and advocating for a more thoughtful approach on how to achieve objectives and how to make choices, I think, is really needed. I think that, that you know, as product managers, we should at least take our own sort of area of responsibility more seriously and be more rigorous about it and think about how we can make strategic choices for what we're doing, right? So the example I gave earlier about my product and the, 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 the attach strategy, right? How can we partner with other groups? Like that, that was out of necessity, right? It's not like we just sat around and said, what would be a great strategy? Okay, let's do that. We knew, right? And this is the thing. We knew that we're not going to lead a lot of opportunities, but we still want to grow our product. And we have a great sales force. We just need to get some mind share from them. Um, and, and I think that's the thing, right? Like if you, if you set some objectives and you try and challenge uh, conventional thinking, you can come up with these hypotheses, these, these choices. Um, okay. And, and then reinforce that with, 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 kind of evangelism. Hey, you know, and that was one thing, again, as a small product in a big company, I had to be an evangelist, you know, when we mm -hmm. won a big deal in a large client, you know, yeah. bring that out. So our strategy is working.
by the way, I was hoping you'd ask me about a book. So what's the what's your initial <laughs> book recommendation? <laughs> no, the reason the reason I brought it up was because I, I had one in mind and 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 I think it's a great book and it, it does it's not a, a strategy book. It's not even a product management book, but I think it's it's a really great book. Um and I think people should read it because it actually helps you understand sort of the impacts of of thinking and bets and things like that. But it's it's called Invisible Women. Uh, it's a book uh, by a woman, Carolyn Criado Perez. And um, it, I, I don't remember the exact subtitle, but it's it's um, bias. It's data bias against women in the world of men or something like that. But it's it's a bunch of each chapter is a different story about the impact of society like on on the lives of women and how uh data is skewed in certain ways and so there's stories about healthcare there's stories about you know design there's stories about um the you know one of the opening stories is about uh is snow removal sexist and and it was how in Sweden they were trying to go through all their government services see what's equitable and what's not and they realized that the way they remove snow from streets, which is main roads first and sidewalks second, actually was impacting women who tend to stay at home more, take care of kids more, um, but also get injured more because the sidewalks aren't cleared. And so, like, I think it's a really great book to kind of help you open your eyes to assumptions you're making and the work you do and the impact of them. And I think that's every product manager should kind of be thinking about that in everything they do. That's very interesting. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I mean, wonderful. Thanks for sharing all that uh, knowledge with us. Where can people find you? Where, uh, yeah, where can connect with you? Um, they can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best place. Uh, I, I'm, as you've noticed, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. <laughs> and, um, I would say just connect with me on LinkedIn. That's probably the, you know, I don't want to confuse because I'm on blue sky. I'm here, but I think, I think LinkedIn is the best initial place. And then we can take it from there. Thank you. Say this has been wonderful. I uh, really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, thanks one more time for, for sharing all that information with us. Yeah. Thank you very much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of 100 product strategies, the podcast by product direction. You can also follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram to get access to free weekly content that helps product people upgrade their skills and become more successful. You can access more material, promotional trainings, and be notified of every episode of the show with Product Direction's weekly newsletter. Join thousands of product leaders by registering in productdirection.co.
uh, I, I'm, as you've noticed, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. <laughs> and um, I, I would say just connect with me on LinkedIn. That's probably the, you know, I don't want to confuse because I'm on Blue Sky, I'm here, but I think I think LinkedIn is the best initial place, and then we can take it from there. Um, yeah. And for your blog, I know your your other writing on strategy, Medium is the right place? Me, yeah, I'm on Medium as well, but I think the, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, and then there's a link to, to Medium. Um, okay, perfect. All right. All right. Then this has been wonderful. Thanks for sharing that as well. Uh, I need to see how I will edit that. <laughs> let, let me retake that. So thank you, Say. This has been wonderful. I uh, really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, thanks one more time for, for sharing all that information with us. Yeah. Thank you very much for inviting me. I really appreciate it. Great.